You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com, along with Scott Eklund, Chris Fetters, and as the famous Thin Lizzy song said, the boys are back in town. Scott and Chris both took a little bit of time off to take care of some stuff, and today's the first day we've been back together in a while, so... Spring ball, really. I mean, that was... Spring preview, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, so we're back. It's Monday afternoon, and we had some stuff going on, some conversations. Spring ball is about to start. We're getting... uh, We'll talk a little bit about realignment, but we'll spend a lot of time on spring... Not spring ball, fall ball. It just looks like spring because it's so nice out. And plus, I like to see Fetters roll his eyes when I make mistakes. But anyways, um, gorgeous day for those out of town. It's going to be in the uh, low to mid-80s here for the next foreseeable future. Ten, ten days at least. Yeah, so it looks really, really nice, especially out on Lake Washington. And, um, you know, like I said, you know, we I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too much on the realignment things because that's what it is. It's a rabbit hole and nobody knows what's what's going on. And uh, I think the big announcement coming today, is it Pete Thamel who reported that we expect to have... John Canzano originally. Well, and I saw Jason Shear from the Arizona site. Yeah, but expecting... expecting numbers on the TV contract within the next two days or 48 hours. So we'll see what comes of that. And, and every- just to make sure, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. Yeah. So, so it, it looks like, I think, you know, it's just kind of a step-by-step process. And I think once these numbers get released, then I always say things are going down a funnel where you start at the top and then you start to narrow things down. And I think when that contract numbers get announced we're going to start going down that funnel and getting finer and finer and we'll have a better idea of where things are going to land yeah but and just to con- try to maybe conflate a couple things to, the, to make it make sense it just seems weird to me that considering what we just saw with Colorado it's weird that the numbers are going to come out now and they didn't wait a few days well, I think for people, it. I think people are a little confused on what really happened with Colorado. And I, th- I, I, tr- I trust my sources implicitly on this. It sounds like we were getting, and nobody's really said this, but it sounds like what, what's been happening quite a bit is the same thing that ha- happened when Larry Scott was the president. Uh, I mean, Larry Scott was running things. That The presidents are really the people that the commissioner answers to and not the ADs. And it sounds like the presidents have been running point on this, but as most know, presidents have a lot on their plate other than the athletic programs, and not a lot has been given to the presidents. They've been kind of kept in the dark a little bit, and the ADs have definitely been kept in the in the closet with what's going on. And from my understanding, you know, for the people I've talked to and confirmed this with a couple of other people, the president of Colorado just got tired of not being informed. And he didn't know what was going on, and there was just too many variables. So he went, you know, instead of being the last guy off the Titanic, he went for the life raft and went ahead and jumped to wait, rather than wait to see what happened. But everything I'm hearing is it sounds like Colorado, this wasn't um, a long play by Colorado. It was more of a, I'm pissed off, I'm done, I'm taking it. Which is interesting because a lot of people out there, like I know Joel Klatt, obviously being a California alum or Colorado alum, is one have been one of the most vocal ones. He was very surprised at the timing of it as well. well he there you he go. seemed to think he seemed to think that they would have gone much sooner. 
which I think also plays into the angle with San Diego State and having to go back to the Mountain West because I now that the way the things have unfolded, it makes sense to me that behind the scenes, Colorado, uh, San Diego State, I fully well thought that they were coming to the Pac-12. I don't think, in my mind, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that's what they thought. And I think they were given assurances. Yeah, but right now with a $34 million buyout for them to get out of the contract, right. I don't see that happening unless there's something down the road. But I, like I said, you know, from my sources talking to, it sounds like, you know, uh, Colorado just threw up their arms and said, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And that's why I think it caused so many people off guard because you these things leak typically, and that didn't leak at all. It was kind of throwing his hands up in the air. So now the next question, Kim, is, is that so – we're understood, and again, Canzano and, and, and Shear and, and a bunch of these guys who have been on this thing from the beginning are letting us know that probably Wednesday afternoon there will be numbers, if not sooner, for this media deal. Well, as we know, this media deal has gotten hashed out over a long time. The Pac-12 was – the Pac-12 basically gave the commissioner, George Klyavkov, the whole year – this whole year the to president, study this Don't thing. say the Pac-12. The presidents. Well, the conferences, the presidents and chancellors. Yeah, yeah. They gave him carte blanche to go negotiate a deal, right? Well, bottom line is, how now do you offer up numbers for a deal that was probably brokered with the understanding that Colorado was going to be part of the conference? Well, I don't think it's that difficult to figure that out. I mean, they've got to, they break these things down more they drill it down more than most people know. And I'm sure that there's a value on the Colorado market. I'm sure there's a value on the Oregon, Stanford, Washington market. You know, we know a guy that's in the media rights business. And, I mean, they'll tell you what their uh, school's media rights are worth. And it's not that difficult to do that, where if you lose this school, it's going to be diminished. And if you add this school, it's going to increase by that much. It's just like with Washington possibly joining the Big Ten, that's going to increase that. But does it, you know, the... the that's going to increase the viewership for the Pac-10, but you know they have definite media value that they have a worth to the Big Ten. Okay, so so if you so if, with all that being said, do you think that the numbers Wednesday are going to reflect a nine-team league or more? I think there's going to be contingencies in there. It's not that hard to write a contract like that. You know, where well, I'm, not, I'm not asking about what the contract's going to say. I'm well, asking you specifically, do no. you think it's going to be something that's going to be based well, on only nine teams well, or more? Well, no, it's going, to be based, it's going to be based upon nine teams, and then they will have the contingencies in the, in the addendums to the contract. If this team is added, if this team is subtracted, if you lose this many teams and the contract is void, there's going to be all kinds of wild stuff in there. The devil's always in the details. So, we, so, so which team? Teams would Klyovkov say would be talked about as value adds as opposed to teams that wouldn't necessarily be? Well, I don't know if they're going to list them specifically, but like I said, I I would guess that if you went to, like our guy that we know that's in the media rights business, if right. we went to him and, and said, what are the TV media rights for SMU worth? He'd have a dollar figure on that. If we said San Diego State, he'd have a dollar figure on that. He'd know. I, I'm telling you guys, I, I, I personally think right now because of the snafu with San Diego State, it really just feels to me that the only play that the Pac-12 can do right now in terms of trying to get back to 10 schools is SMU. Well, I think that there's a possibility they could run at nine schools for a year or two and then um, possibly add San Diego State or SMU. But I think, you know, the things that hinges on all this happening with Colorado gone 
is just going to take one of the four corner schools. The four corner schools were Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. They've lost one of them. If they lose one more of the corner schools, Pac-12's done. I mean, it's done. It's well, and, and we should know, I mean, if you hold the President Robbins of Arizona to, to his word, he's going to know what these numbers are going to be in two days or less. You would think that they would probably have a decision because, as you said, when everyone's working on their contingencies, you would think they would have a contingency. What if the media deal is worth such and such for us per year, as opposed to what would a Big 12 contract offer us such and such per year? And then it would be easy Washington's to make a decision. Go, I, I, I would be stunned if Washington went to the Big 12. I think I'm, that's I'm talking just, about Arizona. Uh, Arizona, I think there's a good chance of that happening, a really good chance of that happening. So, um, you know, but I also think that if the Pac-12 uh, or Pac-10 or Pac-9 or whatever you want to call it, is it, if it fell apart in a year or not, the Big uh, Big 12 would still be more than uh, willing to take Arizona next year or the year after. Well, it sure seems like Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, wants to stay at 14 teams because he's at 13 right now with Colorado. So would he stay at 14 or would he – because there's thoughts that he might even people, try to poach more Pac-12 schools. People say things. Well, they do say things. <laughs> People say things. But then he's also been very proactive things, in the things, market. Things change, you know. So, you know, people say things, things change. So it's not that big of a deal. I just think it's going to be a real interesting couple of days, and we'll, we'll see what eventually comes out. But, you know, the Arizona uh, and Utah are the two schools I think you really want to keep your eye on because they could uh, – I, I don't think Colorado leaving is that big of a deal. If they were to substitute SMU or San Diego State at some point, I think that's fine. Colorado just seems a much better fit in the Big 12 anyways. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, if they lose one of those corner schools, and the most likely that they would lose would be Arizona. If they lost Arizona, the conference is done. It's interesting because I've always thought, you talked about Colorado, not just it, – it, it's it, they've always been a tough fit for the Pac-12, but I think they've always been a tough fit for the Big 12 too. They've always been right in that in-between yeah. zone in the in the Rockies and it just doesn't feel like they've ever really it feels like they've had one foot in each conference for like the last 30 years yeah and it's like hard to know do they automatically just go back to the Big 12 and it's like business as usual this is the conference where we want our national championship and blah 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 and that's it these are the rabbit holes we talk about you go down the rabbit hole there's four tributaries and you go pick one and you go down that one and then there's 16 more there's just so many variables it's hard to know but I think the first shoe to drop of course you know, the next shoe to drop, not the first one, the next one to drop will be the contract numbers that are given to the presidents. So we'll see what happens when uh, that's announced uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday. Do you want to take a stab at how much you think they'll make? 34. And how much will be streaming as opposed to legacy? Oh, I no way to know on that. It's, it's just hard to say. Because what people don't understand now, and they're starting to figure it out, especially as Washington fans, because I think it'll really, really hit home when they try to watch that the Washington-Michigan State game and they can only find it on Beacock, which well, is NBC's streaming site. They'll start to realize that streaming is going to become a lot bigger facet well, no, of, their, of their viewing life I'm telling you right than ever now, before. I'm telling you right now, Andy Jazzy, the head of Amazon, the head of Amazon uh, was at a couple of football games last year. I know he was in a locker room after a game. Yeah, I know he was at basketball games. Andy Jazzy from Amazon's been lurking around here, taking a look. So uh, I would expect Amazon to be a player in the streaming. I would expect Apple to be a player in the streaming. You know, and they're talking about ESPN's even talking about you know making making 
partnerships with the NBA and the NFL, for example? Would we see some kind of a partnership like that? Is that something that we might be seeing in this contract or down the road? Because a lot of people, I think a lot of people aren't aware that George Klyovkov was one of the original founders of Hulu. So he's very, very, very familiar with streaming, more so than probably any conference commissioner that's out there. Yet I firmly believe it when some of the some of the presidents and chancellors of the Pac-12 were adamant that they would not want a 100% streaming deal. Well, no, not that's, yet. I don't think that's going to happen. You, can, you can't happen. do that yet. No, not yet. I could see so. it maybe 10 years down the road, but I could I can't see it yet. All right, time to get Scott involved. Scott Eklund's over here rolling his eyes. He's kind of like I'm not rolling my eyes. It's, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting stuff, but there's just so many things. Like I want to go down. Said, this. We could there. There's so many things you could go into in one comment can lead you down 10 different paths. I want to get further down so, the funnel before no. I really start focusing on it. And the beginning of the funnel, I think, it starts when we start to get the contract. Yeah, I, I think the contract and then what hap- <coughs> what the reaction is from one of the four corner school, one or all three of the four corner schools that are left, I think once that starts going, and like you said, Chris, I just my, just adding my two cents, if they lose one of those four corners, one more four corner schools, it's, it's done. 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 And if that happens, then it's going to be real interesting to see the free-for-all that and happens. Just, and just real quick, just I'll put a bow on this whole thing in terms of how it relates to Washington. Because if that does happen and we start to see it kind of a, an implosion of the Pac-12, I think the first domino that's got to drop in terms of Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten is to see what happens with Notre Dame. I've been on record all the time. I think Notre Dame is the real X factor with the Big Ten. I'm not saying that Washington and Oregon can't join the Big Ten regardless of what Notre Dame does, but I still think they are a major player, and they're trying to get big bucks out of their contract. And I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah, but that's... The thing is, they're going to they're going to try to suck NBC out of every dollar they can possibly get. Well, NBC owns that stadium, don't they? You remember what it was like when we were back there last time? They have their own team, so you know it's like it's 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 a, it's a great it's a great outlet for what they can. NBC Dame. Yeah, well, it is what it is right now, but it'll be interesting to see what happens because the one factor is the playoff. And if you have to be in a conference to be in the playoff, that could change everything. Fall practice begins on Wednesday, eight thirty. We got practice on um, nine o'clock. Nine. Is it 9 o'clock or 8.30? 9 o'clock. I thought it was 8.30. 9 o'clock. Considering you have to leave at 7 o'clock from your house to get here. Yeah, and it should only take 15 minutes to get here. but uh, It'll take about an hour at that point. Yeah. We've got Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday practice. We'll be here. Um, it'll be, it, it, it's gorgeous out here. I mean, it, you can't ask for better weather. This is Chamber of Commerce weather that we're mm-hmm. expecting for the next couple of weeks. Um, just right on the lake, and uh, as usual, and you know, just from the sources we've talked to, sounds like everybody's pretty much healthy. Couple guys dinged up a little bit, but nothing major. Nobody out, nobody walking in boots, anything like that. It sounds like everybody's healthy. Yeah, and, and guys that are kind of still recovering. We, Davis. I mean, he didn't do anything in spring. He's still recovering from the knee, knee injury. injury that he had yep. uh, when he was in high school. So probably not expecting to see a ton of him already. But we, I mean. I would say 99% sure he was probably going to be a redshirt candidate anyways at this point. So um, the only real news coming back from from Holiday that I'm aware of um, was I just put it on the message board that Boyd Tanufi is moved to edge. And so 249 pounds when he was listed in the new weight changes, I think a lot of people that probably struck them as a little odd. And they saw what he could do as a rusher last year, especially in some of those pure passing situations where they would have three edge players and he would play in the middle. Um, So having him as part of that edge package makes a lot of sense, I think. And I think that also probably would tell you that that, um, Inoke Brechterfield feels pretty good 
about the health and, and where his group is inside. Yeah. He, I think he feels pretty good about that group. Yeah, the guy that um, I was m- the most concerned with to see if he'd be 100% go is a guy that we saw a little bit in spring ball, but not a lot, and that's Dylan Johnson, the running back transfer from Mississippi State. Um, talking to Kalen DeBoer last week down at Media Day, he kind of just let it out that he'd prefer just to have a two-back rotation mm-hmm. with Dylan Johnson and uh, Cam Davis. Yeah. And I think that's where where it's probably going to go, as long as both of those guys are healthy and producing. Um, you know, maybe you'll throw in Richard Newton here and there, Sam Adams a few times here and there. I think early on they'll probably try and get some carries for uh, Tybo, get him his four four games played for sure. But because uh, that guy is just so explosive, they're going to have to find something for but, him. But but I don't I don't I think they want to save a red shirt for him if they yeah. can. Yes. So um, and if and if you're trying to get. Uh, you know, Cam Davis and Dylan Johnson as your main rotation guys, there's no reason to throw three other guys into the mix if you don't need to. So get get Tybo Rogers some carries early on or maybe sprinkle them out throughout the season. But um, his time is going to come next year when he can when he can challenge. And, and I just put out this morning the last uh, position preview of, for the fall, which was the special teams. And I mentioned specifically Daniel Ngata mm-hmm. because I, it seems to me that with that glut of them, I mean, you mentioned a ton yeah. of names in there, and you even mentioned a true freshman. Well, Arizona State transfer, maybe something that Washington fans don't know about Ngata is that he was actually a pretty decent return guy too. Uh-huh. Giles Jackson is a guy that has been preferred the last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. I think a guy like Ngata could find a niche as a return guy if he doesn't necessarily get a ton yeah. of turns. At um, at running back and like Will Nixon, I mean it's it's Jeez, difficult. Yeah. Jeez, there's I just a lot of guys. names. Yeah, there's a lot of names out there. The and Will th- Nixon had a really good spring. But the other thing yeah. to think about, guys, is that you know every off season, offenses try to figure out okay what were defenses doing against them, and that's going to be a tough thing to do for this Washington offense because they were pretty much able to do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. Yeah. But I think one thing that they're going to find is is because they were so prolific in the passing game. They're going to try to shut down that deeper attack. They're going to try to shut down Odunze and McMillan and, and Jalen Polk and, and guys like that. And now you've got Denzel Boston coming through. You've got Jeremy Bernard coming through. Giles Jackson's always a threat. You've got all these guys. They're going to try to take away as much of that passing game, I think, as they can. The running backs, I think that is a prime opportunity to get those guys involved in the passing game. And I have a feeling that could that could happen. Because it sure seems like the, the, some of the conversations is they want to get that running game going a little bit more than they had last year. But not year. just that. I think just get their running backs more involved, period. Yeah. Whether that means getting them involved in flats or in just little drop-downs in between, right in, right over the top of the line. Just little stuff like little those little Texas routes that Hugh Millen likes to yeah. call them. I mean, there's just so many different ways I think Ryan Grubb has been able to scheme to get – the running back's involved there, and I think he's just scratching the surface. Right, and Scott, you know, just my ADD kicking in, and just while I'm thinking of it, uh, just a little bit of an update, a little bit of news on a quarterback that they brought in. Tell people what's going on. Yeah, uh, is it Will Haskell? I'm drawing a blank on the first name. Yeah, Will Has- Haskell from, so. yeah. uh, came in from um, San Diego State and um, was at San Diego, signed with San Diego State in 2021, redshirted there, and then last season played in the first two or three games, I think it was. And then, um, basically, if you read the article that we posted on him, I'm just going to put it point blank. He quit on his team. Um, he was replaced in a game and didn't like that. Had a conversation with Brady Hoke, the, ho- the, uh, the head coach there, and, and they parted ways. And so uh, ends up in the transfer portal, and um, 
has agreed to commit to the University of Washington and, and is going to enroll here very soon. He's going to be here for fall camp, I believe. And so actually he's probably here by now because the yeah. practice starts on Wednesday. But I was going to say, no reason for yeah, him to not be yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but – um, I mean, the, the, it sounds like the coaches did their due diligence and, and, and have been working with him for several months now to get him into the University of Washington and, and into the program. He's going to have to uh, sit out this year. So he's losing a year of eligibility to and come I'm, here. And I'm thinking there has to be other 424 true bounce backs mm-hmm. since Johnny DeRocher, but he's the one I think of that's the most obvious. Yeah, when you example. say 424, people don't know what that means. Well, you're going to, you go to college. Four year, four year, four year college. Then you go back down to, to a two year college, and then you jump back up to a four year college after you get your associate's mm-hmm. degree. Yeah. But still, because of the bounce up, you still have to because he already used. Well, I don't know if the, what the transfer situation no, is as far all, as the freebies. All it is is if you're going to go to a two years, if you go four years, yeah. two years, four years, yeah. you have to sit out the first year at the second four year school. Right. So it's and there's it's, no exception. Yeah, now for there's that. no exception and. and so, and Washington doesn't really need him this year. I mean, you would hope at least, you know, Michael Penix, yeah. Dylan, Dylan Morris. You hope they don't even have to use uh, Mac, you know, um, to this year. Yeah, I would and, think they'd use yeah. Johnson before they would yeah, use Mac. Yeah, I do too. So I, I think I think that Washington would prefer just to, um, you know, let this guy get his feet wet, get in the system, learn the, learn the terminology, all the th- things that a quarterback has to learn, and be ready to go in spring ball to battle with Dylan Morris, Alex Johnson, uh, Austin Mack, and himself for the starting starting gig. No, I, I just thought it was a real interesting pickup. And, yeah. you know, from the conversations we've had, it, it, there's things that are on the surface, but then when you hear things, things start to make a little bit more sense. And this one definitely started to make more sense yeah. the more we found well, out. Well, yeah, and then uh, finding, you know, what, what really spoke to it being a walk-on situation for us was there was no – there was no um, – uh, Wolf from from um, from Kalen DeBoer. So um, you know when that doesn't happen, it always tells us that it's a that it's a walk on instead of a scholarship. But um, you know from doing the digging that we did and everything like that, it sounds like uh, um, he was on vacation. So, <laughs> yeah, so and yeah. didn't have cell service to do a woof. So um, but you know you know it is what it is, and uh, it's a nice pickup for Washington if he can come in and be a good teammate. And it sounds like. Washington has done their due diligence to vet him and make sure, hey, when we when we bring you in here, we expect you to be committed to this team, no matter what. Yeah. And um, that, I mean, the guy has a history of leaving, so it's something they had to do, and I think they feel comfortable enough to bring him in. But in full disclosure, it's an awful admission of us as the media mm-hmm. that we had to rely on a, a you know a surreptitious tweet by a coach yeah. to be able to confirm whether or not a player is on scholarship or yeah. not. Well, I, all took, of our contacts took, were on, we, on vacations. We were able to quickly figure out. Yeah. It was it didn't take long for us to figure out the mistake. But again, it's it. I, I don't know. Call us I lazy. Think, call us lazy. Well, we're I, lazy. I think people fail to realize at times the cat and mouse game that we've been playing for years that the media plays with the coaching staff is there's stuff going on that we're trying to find out about. And while we're trying to find out of it, they don't want us to know about, you know, so it's just kind of the, kind of the way things work. And so then we always get accused of knowing more than they do, which is absolutely ridiculous. No, no, no. Speak for yourself, guys. (laughs) Speak for yourselves. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Anyways, with fall camp starting on uh, Wednesday, Scott, give me one or two things that you're going to kind of be eyeballing. We all kind of focus on things that we're interested in. What are you going to be eyeballing? Uh, First thing, I'll start on offense. Uh, First thing I'm going to be looking at is uh, the interior three guys. I'm not worried about the tackles at all. I think Troy Fautanu and Roger Rosengarten are rock solid out there at tackle. (coughs) I'm really interested to see how Mateo Mele, uh, Nate Kleppo, Julius Bulow, Parker Brailsford, um, Garen Hatchett, uh, Guard Memelar, how those guys all battle it out. It's how, I, I firmly believe Nate Kaleppo is going to be a starter this this year. He'll, he'll start the season at either right or left guard. And it's really – and I, I firmly believe that Mateo Mele will be that guy, will be at one of the spots, either guard or center. So it's really going to depend on is Parker Brailsford ready or is Julius Bulow – up to a level, or Garen Hatchett or Guard Memelar, any of those guys up to the level as a starter to where Mateo Mele can remain at center, or is Mele a guy who could go out to guard and Parker Brailsford be elevated up to center? Because Parker Brailsford, if he was heavier, if he was 295, 300 pounds, I think we'd be talking about a starter. But he's not that. He's 280, 283. Three two hundred eighty four maybe no I, I think he's I think he's legitimately there but by the time we're halfway through the season he'll be two sixty five because they just can't work out as much you you lose ten to fifteen pounds during a season a lot linemen typically lose ten to fifteen pounds during a season because they just can't work out as much and they're burning so many calories so um, you know I think a lot of it's that, that that's the first thing that I'm looking for in offense defensively it's a secondary. Is the tackling going to be better? Are they going to play more physical? Are the are the outside guys going? Elijah Jackson and Jabbar Muhammad look like the two guys who are probably going to be the starters. But I think Thaddeus Dixon's right there. It's a good third corner. I think uh, Javion Green's a good third corner po- prospect. I think Caleb Berry. He, I thought he had flashes in the spring, and even though he's only a freshman, I I could see him getting some rotation reps. Uh, Michelle Powell making the move. You know, all the moves that were made, and you know, because I think Michelle Powell to Husky is a natural move. I think Dominic Hampton to strong safety is a natural move. But are they going to be that cohesive unit? Alex Cook was not great in coverage, but boy, he was a solid tackler. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in that Oregon game with the Bo Nix read and then tackle. Is Dominic Hampton that guy? I don't know if he is or not. And, and Asa Turner. Can he be a better tackler? I think that's been his biggest bugaboo is his tackling. So what does the secondary look like? If, if the secondary is solid and the interior offense is solid and, and takes steps up from where they were in the spring for the, for the uh, interior offensive line and from last season to this season for the secondary, 
this team could go undefeated. And yeah. Chris, give me a couple things that you're most looking forward well, to. Well, I was going to piggyback on the offensive line stuff because I think if you take spring as an indicator for fall, that middle was really, really set because you had Nate Kaleppo on the yep. left, you had Julius Bielo on the right, you had Mateo Mele in the middle. Um, I don't see that changing right away to start, but I think you're right. I think there could be it, it, it early on if Scott Huff decides that he wants to kind of mix and match just to see – if he could use Brailsford and maybe move Mateo mm-hmm. Mele to right guard, for instance. I think Mateo Mele is a starter. It just depends on where he's the starter at. Yeah, I think there's that. Um, I, I don't really expect a ton of movement there, but it's certainly something to look for, for sure. Now, in the secondary, I, I, I echo a ton of what you're saying, but I want to put a finer point on Elijah Jackson. I'd like to see Elijah Jackson take that other cornerback spot from Jabbar Muhammad and literally just make it his. Take it from Devon Banks. Take it from Thaddeus Dixon. Take it from JV any of the Green. other guys. Yeah, JV on Green. Take it from all those other guys because it sure looked like if Spring had been another week or two, he'd, he would have been the clear number one at that other corner spot opposite mm-hmm. Muhammad. And so that's kind of what I want to see. I want to see um, if they can start to get back to the days where they had the lockdown guys at corner like – um, you know, like a Trent McDuffie, like a Byron Murphy, you know, guys like that. So, I, you know, I really want to see a guy like Jackson take that next step because I think physically he has it. I think he's got the right mentality for it. I think he understands the legacy, and I'd just like to see him take it. Yeah. How about offensive side of the ball? Well, just I mentioned yeah. the offensive line. Um, Certainly want to see what Dylan Johnson can do because we really didn't see anything for him in the spring. And that's what I'm most interested in seeing on the offensive side of the ball because it seems seemed like uh, Wayne Talapapa could catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. Cam Davis was pretty good at it, but it seems like Dylan Johnson is at another level catching the ball out of the backfield. And I'm trying to remember the name of the running back at Fresno State that they had who was really good at it. Yeah, he oh, almost well, led uh, the team. Uh, Rivers, yeah, Ronnie Rivers. Yeah, so I'm kind of ex- I'm kind of interested to see if uh, Dylan Johnson takes on a bigger pass catching role than a running role. And what is he listed at two fifteen, two twenty? He's going to be that power back. So uh, again, it's going to be interesting to see. And you kind of mentioned it earlier too with Elijah Jackson. When you take a look at him, he looks the part. He looks the part. You know, now that he's healthy, he looks the part of the where he could be an all conference corner. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think he's got that potential. Yeah. Um, he's got the work ethic. Didn't they say and, he was had the highest vert? He he was a forty two, I thought, or something Could like that. Be. You yeah. know, and the other thing about that I like about Elijah, he got a little bit of swagger going, and you need that as a defensive back. So Elijah Jackson and Dylan Johnson are the two guys that I'm really looking forward to seeing. And then one other guy, a uh, younger guy, a couple of younger guys. I'm looking to see what uh, Ryan Otten does at tight end. He went through some struggles last year with his mom passing away, and he redshirted. So I'm gonna kind of. You know, keep an eye, you know, on the side, you know, keeping an eye on, eye on him. And then really, really, he's not going to play much this year, but I'm sure he's going to get some snacks. But uh, Austin Mack, you just take a look at that kid and how big he is. And he's easy 6'6", might be 6'7", and then his four-inch hair. He looks like he's seven foot tall. Uh, he's a big kid, so I'm really interested to see, you know, him get a few reps yep. um, at corner. And then again at tight end, I'm a big Jack Westover fan. Um and uh, Devin Culp, I think, is going to have a, a real solid year. So just looking at those tight yeah. ends and how they get those and, guys and involved. And Quentin Moore. Yeah. I mean, Getting you're talking about healthy. a guy from a physical talent standpoint. Quentin Moore is probably the most physically gifted of the group that they have in, and that's a good group. 
but he just hasn't been able to sneak past uh, Westover or Colt to get some some reps. So, and I'm really interested to see what he does at the end of the year. Is yeah. he done with football? Is yeah. he a guy who wants to go on to a different school? But I mean, if he waits things out, him, Josh Cuevas, Ryan Otten, and Decker DeGraff are the three scholars are the four scholarship guys for next year that we know about. Obviously, I think there's gonna they're gonna go to the portal and get okay. a get a guy, but but um, and then pro- possibly even bring in a guy like Hogan Hansen or or maybe someone else, but. You know, that, that tight end spot is going to be real interesting to watch, not just this year, but next year. Yeah, and you mentioned, you just quickly mentioned a guy like Josh Cuevas. You know, a couple of the guys that came in from the lower ranks were Cuevas at tight end and Zach Durfee at the defensive line at the edge. And we really didn't see the best of them or even start to even see close to what they could maybe potentially be until maybe like the, the final week of spring ball. And I think Durfee really made an ascension. I'm excited to see what he could possibly do down the road in fall camp. But Cuevas is a guy where I don't, I don't really have a great handle on what he might do this fall. He could be a guy that maybe gets five catches in 2023. He could get 25 catches in 2023. I really don't know mm-hmm. what his, what his um, future is, but it sure feels to me like he's got a really high ceiling if you take what he did at Cal Poly because – I think he caught 50, 60 balls last mm-hmm. year, and he clearly was a feature of that particular offense. So he knows how to be that guy, that that uh, that go-to guy and what have you. I'd add, too, if there's two other battles that I'm kind of curious about in fall, the receiver one, even though this is going to be way down the line because, you, you know, you got to get past Roma Dunze. you got to get past Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk and Giles Jackson. But I think this battle between Jeremy Bernard and Denzel Boston is going to heat up. To me personally, I think it's the reason why Taj Davis is now at Cal. Mm-hmm. I think he saw the writing on the wall. He saw Denzel Boston and Jeremy Bernard coming up, and he was like, I don't think there are going to be enough bass. There's not going to be enough balls for me. i gotta, I got to go somewhere else to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be very, very curious. I think Denzel Boston edged it by the end of spring. Wouldn't shock me at all if Jeremy Bernard ended up being the guy, though. And I think that's just how competitive that room is right now. So that, and then it's going to be super, super boring. It's the it's the least sexiest position in all of football. But it could turn out to be the most important. But it could position. end up being the most important, and it's going to be the one between Addison Schrock and Grady Gross, place kicker. Peyton Henry, he won back-to-back games last year against Oregon State and Oregon. That that could happen this year, and you're going to rely on walk-ons, and one's a walk-on sophomore, one's a walk-on redshirt freshman, uh, or maybe a true no, sophomore, true, true sophomore, because yep. he was the kickoff guy last year, Grady Gross. I mean, this is going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. Because I'd like to, frankly, I'd like to know how how vigorous did the coaching staff go out to try to maybe find a kicker. Yep. Because you'd have to think. Yeah. You'd have to think these guys went to the portal to try to find someone to take over for Peyton Henry. If it comes out that they either just couldn't find anybody and they just tried really hard and it just didn't make any sense, and now all of a sudden a guy like Schrock or Gross misses a key kick and they lose a game or something, you just don't want to see that happen, yeah. especially for the kid, because it mentally it can grind on him. And it took it took Peyton Henry what four years to eventually avenge the the kick that he missed at Oregon the first time around. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> these these things linger, and they can be really, really, really impactful. So I hope the best for them. I hope they duke it out, and I hope the best guy wins. My edge, though, I think goes to Schrock. I think he wins it. 
a couple of just a couple of notes. I was down at uh, Media Day last week, and just some notes on a couple of conversations I had. Mason Cobb is a um, transfer to USC from Oklahoma State, and I had a chance to talk to him about uh, Jabbar Muhammad, the transfer corner here from Oklahoma State, and he just raved about him. And just talked about, you know, he's just real instinctive, he's really smart, and just really really sticky. So he had great things to say about Jabbar Muhammad. Um, another conversation was with Leatu Latu, who played here for a year. Had a neck issue, could not get cleared by uh, the UW doctors. Uh, played rugby and was actually what a GA or a student coach here for a year. Not yep. even that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> went down to UCLA. They went ahead and cleared him, which is kind of unusual because they had a guy at UCLA, Jalen Phillips, with a similar type injury that UCLA would not clear. He went on to play at Miami, star first round draft pick, and he's in the NFL. But just talking to Leatu, you know, it's just uh, I always say it's not what people say; it's how they say it. Let me tell you something, Leatu Latu, if he could come back tomorrow, he would. He loved it here. He misses all the guys, and uh, he was just effusive about um, you know playing football up here, and it was one of the best times of his life, and he absolutely loved it. So uh, he wasn't going to say anything bad about UCLA, but it was pretty obvious he really, really, really enjoyed his time. And then um, another interesting conversation I had with um, Justin Wilcox. Um, you know, I was talking to Ryan Grubb uh, a couple weeks earlier, and he's talking about how difficult it is for coaches to come up here because of the cost of housing. Mm -hmm. It's so expensive. And he was talking about how Stanford actually has a program in place to, uh, for housing for their coaches because it's so expensive down in Palo Alto. And um, when I was talking to Justin Wilcox, I was asking him, you know, if Cal had anything similar for the coaches down there because it was so expensive. And he said, no. Um, I said, well, how far out? He said, some of his coaches live real far out. And, you know, those of you who know Justin know he's just a football junkie. Mm -hmm. That's all he does. I said, how far do you live? He goes, not far. He goes, I can promise you, though, I have the, the smallest living space of any Power Five or any Division II coach in football. Well, I'm, he, I'm guessing he's got a 300-foot condo. No, he doesn't have a 300-foot condo. <laughs> but he, he, he doesn't have a wife and kids. No, he's, so he's, he's just, a football My guy. guess is he probably just has a condo. My guess is it was it would probably be you know eight nine hundred feet or something like that. But I mean, a lot of these coaches have twenty five hundred three thousand square foot houses, and he doesn't have that. No, there's no need for him to have that. No, no. So it's kind of wild. It was I mean, good talking to Justin and then Jackson Sermon down there as well. So, yeah. but uh, anyways, anything else we need to cover, guys? No, it's just it, uh, Wednesday is going to be a super busy day. Obviously, day one of fall camp is always super, super busy. But we'll also have a conversation with Coach DeBoer. We're going to be able to ask him questions. So um, look for a lot of information to come out of that media session as well. So just a ton to look forward to. All right, wrap it up, Scott Eklund. Uh, yeah, looking forward to Monday – or I'm sorry, Wednesday getting started. And, um, you know, we've got eight we, – we, I, I already put up kind of a schedule on the board for people – um, eight open practices. The first six are open to us. And then um, a Tuesday practice is open to us and a Wednesday, Wednesday. program yeah. over the next two weeks. So, um, you know, after the, to finish things up. And then uh, the 28th, we're Monday press conference with, with DeBoer, less than a month away from the opening season press conference with Kalen DeBoer, and then it's into game week, man. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I know. This I think this is year 26 for us, so it's just for you guys. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. So looking forward to football season starting. We got a little bit of time off to do what we wanted and uh, ready to charge. But I think we're all ready to, you know, we're in the starting gate. We're ready to 
ready yep, to rock I'm and roll. roll. So we'll be all over it at some point within the next week. I'm going to try to get up and take a sneak peek at, ba- sneak peek at basketball. Um, I think that they're, they start practice again tomorrow. So getting ready for a trip to Italy, and we'll get some more information on that as well. And the women's basketball team, who I think a lot of people are pretty excited about, um, I'm hoping to uh, sit down with Coach uh, Langley here pretty soon and, and uh, do something with her. But, um, you know, they, they have um, they have some some pretty cool preseason games as well. So, so, so right. Kim, just to, did we get confirmation it's going to be Italy? It's, no, there's nothing in France. Italy and France. Italy and France. I Italy think, and France. I think, it's, okay. I think it's three games. Okay. I think it's three okay. games. Yeah. So, um, right. you know, so just like to get a sneak peek at some of the new guys. I, and I still need to get some information if they're going to be able to get any of that streamed. And and I've been holding it off, but um, I will be talking to the head of hoops, and we, we, we will be getting his thoughts on the breakdown. Now that the roster is pretty much constructed, we'll have a we'll have a few thoughts on the players involved and and kind of how he sees things breaking down in terms of minutes and in terms of rotations. Just remember just keep it here at dogman.com nobody's covering it as well as in depth as dogman.com you know go to the normal media sources they may have one or two pieces we'll have a lot more going on. We'll have a lot more going on. And we'll have a podcast after each practice that we attend as well. So for all of us at dogman.com I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>